0: every time
1: a proud member of the gun geek network the opinions expressed are those of each individual check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three two one
0: on this week's episode how much damage has wrecked ralph and fallout 76 created are people psyched by the lion king and what does josh think of fantastic beasts All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos.
1: Welcome
0: to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without the master planner himself of our upcoming charity event. He's also the head of Humanica Media, which you can catch on HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend helping me with this awesome responsibility known as our charity event. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? Are you getting any more gray hairs like I am?
2: No, not yet, but I you know who knows by the time the uh this thing actually happens. But hey, any support you guys out in the audience want to give to us, that'd be fantastic. Whether in uh donate to the various charities we're we're giving to or just show up and, and let us know that you're you're a fan. We love that too.
0: That's right. If you're in the Las Vegas or Henderson area on December 15th, we're gonna be having a big shindig at Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada. It is our holiday game night from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. There. We're going to be having a lot of fun. We've got music artists like Hyperschmidt, True Die, Vetius, possibly even Plasma Z showing up. We're going to have great tournaments that with prizes that are going to be available for the winners in Fortnite, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and also Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Mario Party Wars. FX Unit Yuki Game Source Go Brothers Gaming, they're all going to be helping out all the great people at Retro City Games. Once again, it is on December 15th, Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada. Even if you cannot make it by on the 15th, if you could please drop off a monetary canned food or new toy donation, please do so any point in time between now and the 15th. Please go ahead because. All canned food proceeds go to Three Square of Las Vegas. All new toy donations go to the UMC Children's Hospital Nevada. And all monetary donations go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We truly want to help all three of these organizations out. They're deserving. And in the holiday spirit, we truly want to make things happen for all of these individual programs. So if you could please come by with a donation or Stop by on the 15th and donate at that time. But anytime during that, we just truly appreciate anything that you can give back. It really helps out the community and helps us out for everything that we do here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Retro City Games, and so much more on December 15th. It's going to be a great night, the holiday game night. Again, December 15th at Retro City Games. But it is going to be a great show we've got for you. We are going to be talking some Wreck-It Ralph, Fallout 76, the Lion King. Josh is going to talk about Fantastic Beasts, but also stopping by as well is Ben Arnault from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. He's got some more great food and grilling tips coming up for you. And also on the back end, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot podcast. He is coming up as well with his thoughts on week 12 of the NFL. My friend, it's been a great weekend. We have Thanksgiving, we have Black Friday. I know we got a lot of great stuff. I know you got a lot of great stuff. I got a lot of great stuff for Black Friday, but it was also a great Thanksgiving weekend for Wreck-It Ralph 2. Ralph Breaks the Internet and also Creed 2. Wreck-It Ralph having the second largest Thanksgiving domestic opening at the box office this weekend. Reviews are positive. It looks really good for Wreck-It Ralph going forward. It will do even better than the original, which is what you hope for when it comes to a sequel. Also, Creed 2 is doing extremely well for itself, having the largest live-action opening ever for a Thanksgiving five-day period. So your thoughts on both Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Creed 2. These sequels are doing better than their originals, which, like I said before, is exactly what you want to do when you put out a sequel, especially during the Thanksgiving season.
2: From what I understand, Cree 2 is actually really good, and the fact that Cree 2 is kind of a, a smaller movie and it's doing so well on Thanksgiving weekend kind of sp- speaks a lot about the, uh, you know, what it is and what it's trying to accomplish. And as for Wreck-It Ralph 2, I still it's one of those movies that's been on my list for a long time, haven't gotten a chance to see the first one, but it's impressive. And I know the Grinch, how's the Grinch doing right now? Is it still doing pretty well? The Grinch is
0: doing all right. It's actually going to be in third place over the course of the weekend, actually besting Fantastic Beasts number two, which doesn't sound like good things for the Harry Potter series for Fantastic Beasts going forward. But we'll touch on that in a little bit. But yes, the Grinch looks like domestically here in the U.S. It is just about to nose out Fantastic Beasts for third place. So it's still doing pretty good. It's garnered over $180 million domestically here in the box office. Creed 2 finished just a bit above the $55 million mark domestically for the five-day period. So that is a great sign. And Ralph Breaks the Internet is going above 80 itself and well over $100 million worldwide already in its first few days out there. So that's great signs for all those movies, except for Fantastic Beasts. Again, we'll touch on that. It looks good for the Grinch. Although Frozen, Tangled, there's been actually a few that, while they didn't have the humongous starts that some of their Pixar cohorts in crime have done, some of the other animated series from like Despicable Me and whatnot, those have been all over, a you know, 80, 90, 100 million dollars startups for just a three-day weekend there's still some decent fairings that have been out there animated wise during the Thanksgiving holiday weekend that have come out and actually done pretty good. You know, obviously Frozen is the biggest of these movies, and it actually did much better over the course of time because it had so much great legs over the course of the Christmas holiday season that it came out. So the animated season usually ramps up a little bit more during the Christmas holiday and even during the summer. But Let's not take the Thanksgiving holiday season for granted as well.
2: Honestly, like I don't go see movies around Thanksgiving that much except Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to see Disney still kind of owning the box office around this time because it's kind of, the kids are out of school, the parents are are off, and it's kind of a good time for families to spend together, especially if they want to go see something in the movie theaters. So I'm glad to see that's doing well, and I, I've heard nothing but great things about The Grinch. So maybe this is showing us that Thanksgiving and you know that that week between the end of Thanksgiving and December is kind of a a time for family oriented movies to come out, and you know that's cool because we don't really have, I guess, throughout the course of the year, we don't really have enough of those. When
0: it comes to Disney, they needed the success of Wreck-It Ralph 2 because it was not a sure thing because of the fact that the original did not produce strong worldwide box office numbers the first time around. So it was kind of questionable whether or not the series would continue. But I'm sure glad that they did. Very positive reviews out there. And especially it is a good sign for Disney coming off the tepid Reviews and also the tepid box office that was the Nutcracker and the Four Realms, which looks like, from all intents and purposes, it's going to be a big bomb for them at the box office. Your thoughts on the future going forward for Disney because there's a lot of live action stuff going out there. We're going to talk about the end of the show, The Lion King, but with Mary Poppins and Dumbo and some other stuff coming on the way outside of The Lion King, it still looks pretty good for the next. Twelve months when it comes to Disney,
2: my thoughts on that is Disney really, honestly, 100 percent has run out of original thought. And that's why they keep putting out these live action flicks. That's not to say they're not good. I I thoroughly enjoyed Jungle Book. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to get around to seeing Dumbo because I remember that movie depressed the hell out of me as a kid. But Aladdin looks interesting. I love Guy. you know, as we know, as we've argued about before, I love Guy Ritchie as a filmmaker. I know Mulan has had its fair share of uh, production holdups, but who knows, you know, at this point, it could be good. Sounds like there's a lot of hype going on behind that one. So I don't know, man. Like, honestly, I, I feel like there is a call for live action. It's a good way to bridge the gap between the generation that grew up with those flicks and the young kids coming up who haven't seen them. It's just a question of, like, you know, a ring. A, a, you know, we have movies like A Wrinkle in Time, Nutcracker, stuff like that. Like, is there is Disney ever going to put out anything new that ends up being successful? Because it seems like, as far as marketing budgets go, they put all their money behind properties that they know are going to do well that already have an existing fan base. Whereas if they would have taken something like a, uh, you know, John Carter, I know we talk about a lot, and actually stopped trying to to market toys and all that, and and trying to franchise it like there could be pardon the pun but a diamond in the rough there if disney were to give it the care and treatment that it deserves but it's they don't do that so i i don't know what the future holds you know once they run out of live action remakes to do who to put money into who really knows what's going to happen to them so dumbo
0: was really a bad time for you
2: Dumbo no dumbo was i'm not saying dumbo is not a great movie but it was so sad man it was just i just it was one of those like I could watch Robin Hood and Sword and the Stone and the Great Mouse Detective over and over and over, but Dumbo was like, it was a one watcher, man. I'd never wanted to go back to that movie again. Don't go there with Robin Hood because it
0: tanked, unfortunately, this weekend at the boss office, the latest rendition of Robin
2: Hood. I saw IGN gave it a four. I'm still gonna go see it just because like I you know, I, I just got done. I don't know if you you got a chance to watch the Outlaw King on Netflix not a great movie not a terrible movie but i just like watching historical pieces because we don't get those a lot anymore good or bad whatever it is i just it's a nice like i would rather watch one of those than you know just find some garbage on netflix to turn on i guess if that makes sense should we go back to our argument and discussion over king arthur Uh, if you want to be wrong about it
0: (laughs) i and a lot of other people that did not see the film even though i saw it kind of sway towards my side you know with the lack of production and all that but anyways what, what if there was a live action bambi you know because we all know about the tragic ending there
2: you know honestly kids will never know a true heartbreak in a movie until they watch the never-ending story yes yes or
0: when bambi's mother meets her unfortunate demise but we won't go there i hope they don't put it that as a live action but you know knowing them they might knowing them what are your thoughts out there on what wreck Ralph 2, Ralph Wrecks the Internet, is doing out there? Share us your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Did you enjoy it? Do you think it's worthy of another sequel so that there's going to be a trilogy of Wreck-It Ralph films? Do you really think that's going to happen? Do you really think that's going to be a, a great part of the Disney animation series? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. I wanted to, before we hit the break, talk to you also about Fallout 76. I know I discussed this a little bit on our PCC Multiverse with Rob McCallum of Rob McCallum Films. We talked about the rage that a customer was going through at GameStop where he tore up an entire GameStop after not being able to return his Fallout 76. To me, that sends a larger message that there are a lot of people out there upset with the direction of the Fallout series because of what was released in Fallout 76. You and I have spoken at length about our thoughts on it, but I just wanted to go ahead and get one more kind of clarification from you on what Fallout 76 is doing now and what Fallout 76 is is going to be doing going forward for the fallout series because i think it really like it could be what do you think in comparison it could be the mass effect andromeda of
2: 2018 i don't know if i go that far the complaints i'm hearing mostly is that it's just it's there's not enough in the game to play whereas mass effect had a lot of is a big movement in meme culture for a long time you know as far as the facial animations and all that and here's the thing about Bethesda too is Todd Howard's a good dude, and that whole company is very has a lot of goodwill towards their fans. And you know this is this was a flub, yeah, but who's to say you know the fans are are gonna get over it pretty quick? So who knows? Like a year from now, Fallout seventy six can be a completely different game. We don't know. It probably will be because Bethesda's not known to just put a piece of garbage out and not do anything to try to remedy the situation. So. You have to take into consideration their reputation and, you know, their history with their fans and know that they're going to do something about this. So things will change. It, it could be a better game, you know, five, six months from now. I haven't played it yet. I know it's on sale a lot on Black Friday. <laughs> that thing about the guy trashing that GameStop, super sad, but kind of funny at the same time. That was a violent reaction to that. So it's just it kind of makes me wonder how everyone else is feeling about it. But again they will fix it. And that's the great thing about having games that are connected to the internet these days is that you can fix games after launch. And I know that Bethesda is going to do something like that for Fallout 76.
0: Well, I still do see some support for it out there. In fact, when I was out there on Black Friday at Best Buy, the person in front of me in line waiting over half an hour in line to purchase his product was actually, in fact, the big large strategy guide for Fallout 76 and he already had purchased his Fallout 76 baseball cap, and he was all geared out in Fallout 76 regalia as well, so there is still some love for the Fallout series. I'm just disappointed at the overall reaction to it. It looks like uh, that this game could have been something very special, and unfortunately, so far, due to the usual Bethesda bugs, glitches, the lack of variety in the environment, the lack of things to do in the environment, and maybe also, as well, the from what I'm seeing, the interaction between players and how Bethesda tried to go ahead and incorporate that into the game seems to be something at a little bit of a deficiency also as well for the game and the series going forward. So it looks like Fallout, yes, you're right. They're probably going to go ahead and put update after update and even try harder to put more updates into it to make it a salvageable game by this time next year. But going forward, it isn't until a new Fallout single-player, narrative-driven game comes back out maybe in, what, three, four years that we're going to see a rebirth or a back to form for the Fallout series that people are going to have faith once again in because Fallout 76 is going to leave a bad taste in their mouths for some time to come, just like Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, I, I understand that Elder Scrolls might fix everything to a lot of people, but if Elder Scrolls has the same issues that Fallout 76 has and it gets the terrible scores in reviews out there that Fallout 76 is getting, that may not be a good thing for Bethesda long-term because Elder Scrolls and Fallout are the two series that they should mess with. They've got a great formula for them both. And once they try to start messing with both of them, in the case of Elder Scrolls, it was Elder Scrolls Online, which not everybody loved. Now they're going to a Elder Scrolls format where it's going to be all over mobile and and all over you know so many other platforms. That might be a great thing, or might be something that might be similar in reception to what we're seeing with Fallout seventy six. So we'll have to wait and
2: see on that realm. But wait, wait, they... real quick, real quick. As far as Elder Scrolls and Fallout goes, like you know, I get it. I get that people are upset. And I get these are big games, big names, but you know no massive online game has ever been perfect at launch look at you got the old republic yeah elder scrolls online final fantasy 15 the list goes on and on and it's it, like it's one of those situations where these online games the great thing about them is they can be revamped and relaunched you know whereas we have your standard fallout and elder scrolls games like those are almost completely different genres i would, I would go as far as to say so i don't know like if this shows foreboding for those games, but you know, who knows, man, but like, I, th- I almost want to say that these online games are a whole different beast in themselves.
0: Well, like I said, Elder Scrolls blades has to be a game when it comes out on all those different platforms that Elder Scrolls fans are going to love, or else you're going to see the type of backlash you're seeing now from fallout 76. And that could damage both those series and anything else Bethesda puts out going forward, because Those are the big one-two punches for Bethesda is the Elder Scrolls series and the Fallout series. And with both of them, they have to make sure they're on point because if those two aren't consistently good over the course of time, then that will make the entire company suffer and anything else that they try to put out will definitely feel the hurt from that. What are your thoughts out there on Fallout 76 and the future of the Fallout series going forward? Do you feel like Josh that this is just a blip in the road? Or do you feel more like me that if they're not careful with the Elder Scrolls and Fallout series, there could be some permanent damage for the long term? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, pop culture cosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. All right, coming up right after the break, it's Ben Arno from the Smoking Hot Confessions Podcast. He's got some more great talk. Some yummy talk coming up when it comes to cooking and grilling recipes that he's got in mind. You got to listen to that, especially going into the holidays with whatever you're doing as far as holiday parties, and you're going to need some ideas and tips for some great cooking ideas. So he's coming up after the break on that. And later on in the hour, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast recaps week 12 in the NFL. So listen to that for all you fantasy football owners out there, because it's getting close to playoff time. Got to start making some adjustments soon, and he's going to advise you on what went on this this weekend in the NFL and if you should go ahead and make some changes to your team going forward. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace high performance gamer wristbands, packed with the power of fruit seed oil. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speed run or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com That's MiracleFruitOil.com Vitabrace win with it. It is once again, Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You got to check out his awesome show. I would recommend doing it on a full stomach or else you're just going to get really hungry. You got to listen to it today on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over at least a dozen different podcast outlets. Also as well, you got to check out his awesome site, smokinghotconfessions.com. One of the things I also wanted to talk to you about when we're going through our list of what we're talking about as far as for cooking ideas, grilling ideas, is that there's a lot of parties coming up. It's near the end of the year. A lot of parties are coming around and a lot of gatherings or get togethers and whatnot. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is something that's often overlooked. We talked about grilling as far as before meats, chicken, shish kebabs, shellfish, the whole nine yards. But one of the things we haven't really touched upon is ideas on appetizers that you can make from your grill grilled appetizers is something i think a lot of people forget about but it can really be a tasty way to be something to be different to be out there and to show people that you really care about the party that you're hosting or that you're bringing food for and that really will get a conversation going on grilling ideas when it comes to a nice grilled appetizer
1: mate you are not wrong in the next few months I'll be releasing a, an online course in in barbecue and in that course I'll be uh, there's five lessons and each lesson is an entire meal cooked on the grill so it's it's appetizer, main and dessert all of it done on the grill and I specifically designed those recipes so that they're all mix and match so you can mix and match the dessert with the meat with the three different sides with the dessert. So it's something like 11,000 different meal combinations from this one five-lesson course. So uh, yeah, I've, I, I know a little bit about barbecued appetizers. One of the most delicious ones that's quite popular in, the, in barbecue circles at the moment is called a jalapeno popper. Are you familiar with that one?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, almost every bar or every type of local restaurant seems to have some sort of variation of it. It's really a popular thing over here in the States.
1: Oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. They're a permanent addition to my, uh, to my backyard barbecue menu over here as well. So um, what I like to do there is I like to uh, take a chunk of cream cheese, and I just sit that on the counter and I, for about 30, 40 minutes. I let that rise to room temperature, which depending on where you are in the world, I guess, room temperature may or may not be helpful, but you want that to be soft. You want that to be malleable. So I do that, and then I get some uh, powdered garlic, some powdered onion, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. And I sort of mash that into the, into the softened cream cheese to sort of flavor that up. And when it comes to that, you can put in, you know, whatever you fancy there. So whatever sort of spices you like, you can add them in. But the trick to this particular appetizer is how you handle the jalapeno. So a lot of people look at jalapenos, they go, oh, my God, they're so spicy. I don't know if I can eat that, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. The spiciness is not in the green flesh of the jalapeno the spiciness is on the inside. It's the seeds and the, the sort of the white pulp that you find inside the jalapeno. So if you've got people who, who like it spicy, lop the end off with the nub where it connects to the plant. Lop that off and then very carefully stand the chili on its end with the point down. Start your knife at the top and come down, but not all the way through. So you're just slicing down one side so you can very gently open it up, but it's still in one piece. And then take a teaspoon and just start to gently scrape the inside of the jalapeno. And if you still like it reasonably spicy, just knock the seeds out. If you don't want it spicy at all, you just want the flavor of the jalapeno, scrape the insides of that green flesh. There'll be like a, almost like a white, kind of almost looks like a spider webby sort of film across the inside of it. The more you scrape that, the more you get that out, the less Spicy the the jalapeno is gonna be, so once you've done that, oh by the way, do all that with uh disposable plastic gloves on because uh one thing I did once was I did it with my bare hands and it was a really hot day, and I had a bit of sweat dribbling down my forehead, so I wiped my forehead and my eye with my hand, and I was very upset for about the next thirty minutes so uh, I
0: could imagine so <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: always make sure you use some of those disposable gloves right, so then you take like a teaspoon and you get your cream cheese mix and start spooning that in to the inside of the jalapeno, close the jalapeno up, get a piece of your streaky bacon. You can tell I like my bacon. It's almost in just about every recipe that I cook. Take a big strip of that, wrap it around the outside and secure it with some toothpicks. So it's not going to unravel because as it cooks onto the jalapeno, it'll set in place. And so when it's finished cooking, you can pull those toothpicks out and the bacon won't peel away. Head on out to your grill. Now you've got two ways of doing this. You can either do it over a low heat direct grill or you can set it up for indirect like we've been talking about earlier today and you can do it that way i always like to do it indirect because i like to throw a bit of apple wood on there as well because apple and pork always goes really well together so i like to put mine on the Weber, fire off on one side at about 275 degrees fahrenheit i find that to be a bit of a magic cooking number for me 275 fahrenheit on the fire line the jalapeno poppers up on the other side It can be a good idea if you've got like a cake tray or something, a cake cooling tray. Put the poppers on the cake cooling tray and then put the cake cooling tray on the grill because then about every 30 minutes or so, you can just lift up the tray and turn it around and sit it back down again just to make sure that all the poppers cook evenly. Just a little trick for you. So I like to do mine indirect. takes about two and a half to three hours of just gentle, slow cooking. And it'll be done when the bacon is to the degree that you like it. So I like my bacon well done. I like a bit of crunch to it. So I tend to leave it in there for a little bit longer, about three hours. I like it to be a real dark mahogany colored bacon. You can see the effects that the smoke's had on the bacon there. And I like it so that when I bite it, I get the softness and the creaminess of the filling and the jalapeno sort of juxtapositioned against the crunchiness of, of the long smoked bacon. And mate, I tell you what, that is an appetizer that a mate of mine who cannot eat chili, he will sit there with tears streaming down his face. He's in that much pain and just still keeps shoving these things into his mouth. Oh
0: my goodness. That's awesome. Once again, these are ideas right now on grilling appetizers from Ben Arnault. I'll tell you what, that is a great idea with the jalapeno peppers. And that takes something that People just kind of take for granted as far as an appetizer is concerned and really does something to, pardon pun, spice things up.
1: (laughs) Nicely done, sir. Nicely done.
0: (laughs) I learned from the best. Let's put it that way. Um, So Ben, before we head on out, why do you need to go to smokinghotconfessions.com and why do you need to listen to all the episodes that are available today when it comes to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast?
1: Well, mate, if you like barbecue, Smoking Hot Confessions is the place to go. We've got everything that you're ever going to want to read or to listen to about barbecue. So I do interviews with professionals in the industry. Season three is just around the corner. I actually traveled to the US and I did a tour through Texas, Louisiana and Arkansas. And I interviewed different experts and professionals on the way and sort of got a real idea about how barbecue in different states is different to each other. Season two was all about if you want to start a business in barbecue, I I identified 15 different business models and then interviewed successful people in each of those models. Season one was about competition barbecue, everything that, that you would need to know to go from your backyard to the pit yard. And the website itself, mate, I love taking photographs. I love writing. And that is just chock full of recipes, tips, how to's product reviews, opinion pieces on what's happening in the barbecue industry. If you have any kind of interest in barbecue whatsoever, if you're out there listening to that right now, Smoking Hot Confessions is your one-stop shop for everything you need.
0: And you can catch it today on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over a dozen different podcast outlets. My friend, after listening to you have these great food ideas, I think I'm going to have to go and hit the supermarket after all.
1: Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Don't forget the bacon. Oh my gosh, you know that's
0: the <laughs> first thing I'm shooting for. That's the first thing I'm shooting for. It's always great to have you on the show. I cannot wait to get you back on here for more great grilling ideas. And again, it's just so great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelyq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you. If you need a listing of where we're at, where we're being played on so many different stations around the world, seven days a week, also as well. We're on over 30 different podcast networks. We've got a listing that's right there for you. It's right at the Facebook page for Pop Culture Cosmos and also the Facebook page for Game Source 2. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanic Media. Now that you guys have that turkey week off, what's going on with your great experience known as Humanic Media?
2: Just a new episode of Topic Ocalypse going up today. I'm actually currently editing it. The second part of the Tribalism in the Church episode with Travis Carrero. So that'll be up shortly tonight. So pay attention and stay tuned for that.
0: Josh, you called me up during the Thanksgiving holiday season. You called me up and, and wanted to go ahead and vent on what your thoughts were on Fantastic Beasts. If you want to check out my thoughts on Fantastic Beasts, I actually posted them on our Monday show last week and also on our popculturecosmos.com site. I've got a full review there or our popculturecosmos.wordpress.com site too. So tell me man, I know your thoughts already on what you, you know, you were experiencing when it comes to Fantastic Beasts too. It's obviously experiencing a downturn at the box office, which leads to some concerns over the course of time when it comes to a five film series for the Fantastic Beasts. Your thoughts, man, on Fantastic Beasts, The
2: Crimes of Grindelwald? I wasn't a fan. I enjoyed going back to the universe where the story was so disconnected, and there a lot of the things they did in the first movie, they completely undid, and it's all cheap narrative, too. It's all, all the stuff that the big like, oh, no, I can't believe they did that moments happened because they were looking for ways to uh, get you emotionally invested in the movie. You know, I don't know if we can go into spoilers here, but a big thing that there's two things that really irked me was one was Lita Lestrange stuff like she could have been like they could have dragged that on for a long time, create a love triangle, whatever, through the next two or three movies and they wasted an opportunity. They're like, we don't know what to do with her, so we're going to kill her. Why? What was the purpose? Why did you introduce her? What was the point of that? And then you had the whole thing with Queenie. That whole thing was stupid too. Like she, I not It didn't make sense. She wanted to marry Jacob, and the fact that Jacob didn't want to marry her didn't make sense either. Like you know, they could kill you, but you know, just get married in secret. Who really cares? And the whole thing, we're like, oh, but Grindelwald could solve this problem. That was that change was so rapid that it did not make any sense whatsoever and then as for the rest of it it was just motion you know there wasn't anything tying any of the narrative together it had a very jumbled plot and then a spectacle at the end like the whole thing with the dragon threatening to destroy Paris they didn't even allude to him to Grindelwald wanting to destroy Paris until he put that line in there in the end it's just it's a lot and it was so jumbled I did not like it I thought that Jude Law's Dumbledore was interesting but you know, as far as the final reveal goes, it seems like that's the only thing. If that hadn't have happened, nobody would really care about anything that happened in this movie. Essentially,
0: I agree with you on most of your accounts. I just thought the movie was from beginning to end a waste of time. The only thing that people were there for is who goes on which side. You don't even get clear motivations for why people are doing what they're doing at the end. And it just was kind of a disappointing film overall. And Unfortunately, for me, as someone who is not a diehard Harry Potter fan, I was actually kind of bummed out because I really wanted to get more involved in the Harry Potter series after Fantastic Beasts. And now Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald has taken me so far out of it. I just, I don't see any point in going ahead and delving more into the Harry Potter series, which... Kind of it's a bummer because I've got Harry Potter fans around me here at the house, but just something I really wanted to delve in more into. And the more I delved into it, the less I like it, especially after watching Fantastic Beasts 2. So truly disappointing. You can read my full thoughts on it again at popculturecosmos.com. Josh, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on it. And unfortunately, it looks like it's not going to be appearing anytime at all next month on our top films of the year in movies, but You never know, it may end up being on the bottom list, and that would be a shame for especially going forward. And one last question to ask you, speaking of going forward for the Fantastic Beast series, what does a movie like this do for the expected five-film series? Do you see a shortening of the series? Do you see it just going to a trilogy now? Or, Or what do you see Warner Brothers doing with the series now that there's been so much of a bad reaction to Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald?
2: I don't think anything that drastic is going to happen. I don't see them cutting anything because Warner Brothers does have a plan, as we've discussed, because they kind of have the, uh, uh, you know, the the rumor is they're working on the Cursed Child films and all that. But I don't see them cutting any films. If anything, I see them kind of taking the feedback of the fans and trying to remedy the plot going forward because they're only on movie two, which means they have three more films to kind of right the ship i suppose but i hope that's the case again i I could be wrong and uh jk rowling is kind of you know she she has developed this sense of hubris as far as her storytelling abilities go and the uh the way people think about her so i could be very wrong on that but let's hope that i'm not otherwise you know i'm still gonna go watch them but you know again i'm not going to like recommend them to anyone i'm not going to like go out and buy the blu-ray i'm committed to the story at this point but it's not something i'm going to be praising very much unless they they fix things going forward
0: i can't blame you a bit and for someone out there like me who was kind of leaning on the fence in which way to go ahead and rediscover the harry potter franchise for me now it looks like i'm off the fence but you never know it, couple good Fantastic Beasts movie down the road and, and you never know, it might get me back in and a lot of other people as well. What are your thoughts out there on Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald? It's doing all right at the box office, but not quite as well as any other film in the Harry Potter series. It looks like it probably will end up somewhere in the mid five to $600 million worldwide, which unfortunately it's it's not quite what they were hoping for at Warner Brothers. Share us your thoughts on why this happened on the future of the Fantastic Beasts series, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Coming up next, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast stops by to give you a recap of what went on in week 12 in the NFL and some motivation so that you can try and take those things forward into next season of fantasy football. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. That sound effect indicates that there's a podcast that I'm really enjoying at the moment that I want to highlight to you and one you may not have heard of and this one is by Patricia Young and it's called Unapologetically Sensitive. If you haven't heard of it, it's one to check out. I've really been mentioning this to all of my friends and it's a fantastic podcast but hey, why let me tell you about it? Well you can hear from Patricia herself.
1: This is a weekly podcast where we explore how sensitivity weaves itself into our lives. We talk about the richness that it adds, the strengths we have because of our sensitivity,
2: and some of the challenges it poses as well. Sensitivity is nothing to apologize for, it's our superpower.
0: That's Patricia Young with Unapologetically Sensitive. Why don't you check it out today and download it wherever you get your podcast from because I give a double thumbs up to Unapologetically Sensitive. And we're back with the show it's Gerald coming right back at you here. But we wouldn't be talking fantasy football if it weren't for the fantasy football guru. <laughs> you can hear all of his thoughts each week on our full episodes of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Actually, you can talk to him on a personal level, get his thoughts, get his in-depth analysis, and also his opinions on waiver wire pickups. I think last minute trades are out of the picture at this point in time. So lineup changes, waiver wires, plus also how you can prepare your team for the upcoming fantasy football playoffs, or how you can close out your season strong by going over to the fantasy football patron podcast, Facebook group, you join up and over 200 other fantasy football fans are there to interact with you, along with the guy who runs it all. His name is Tyler Baker.
3: What's going on, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. How was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was a lot of food, a lot of eating, and then uh, the real holiday begins in Black Friday, if you know (laughs) what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool, man. uh, it was a great weekend in the NFL as far as a lot of games that did produce some big time running and Mm -hmm. some historic passing as well. So it was actually a pretty good weekend for fantasy football owners out there, but I'm going to start focusing first on what you had mentioned real briefly before we came on the air in the humongously large arena known Mm -hmm. as the StubHub Center (laughs) (laughs) Los Angeles you know all kidding aside they've got a great team down there and I hope they yes I heard on the radio during the course of the game that season tickets for 2018 were sold out at the StubHub Center and I was like to myself Huh? All ten of them? That's great. <laughs> great job. But anyways, anyways, and they're all going to the
3: opposite team. All the, all to the opposite team. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, in fact, I was, I was commenting to a family member tonight that I've been to Stuff Hub to watch the Chargers play, and it's a really, really good place to watch a football game. It's, it's super small. It's a soccer stadium. What does it seat like? Thirty-two thousand or thirty-three thousand or something range, like that. Yeah,
0: it's very intimate. And that's in, the problem in the NFL. You can't have an intimate stadium.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, nobody in L.A. wants the Chargers there. And it's really a shame because they're a really good football team. They're playing really well. They are now 8-3. and three. So in the AFC, you have the divisions aren't quite locked up yet but you know we're getting there and then you know the chargers are going to get one of those playoff spots so the other playoff spot is going to be probably down to the wire because we all know the chiefs are going to win the AFC west but the chargers are right there at 8 and 3 they're a really good team philip rivers oh my gosh the guy had one incomplete pass <laughs> like that is absolutely incredible he was 28 for 29
0: this is the highest percentage all time for a game for anyone over 20 pass completions oh
3: incredible incredible 259 yards three touchdowns and then you have melvin gordon he only scored a couple touchdowns <laughs> note about melvin gordon he did he has a mcl injury they're not saying if it's a sprain or a tear it's pretty much the same thing but We don't know what that timeline is going to be. It looks like he's going to miss at least one game. They almost held him out of this game because, you know, the Arizona Cardinals really aren't scaring anybody. He actually uh, petitioned the coaching staff to let him play and maybe they're regretting it now. So even if it's just missing one week, I would expect Austin Eckler, his primary backup to get quite a bit of work, at least for the rest of the season, because they're going to want Melvin Gordon. They're going to want him healthy for a deep playoff run this year.
0: Anybody out there who has Austin Eckler are also, if Melvin Gordon is going to be out an extended period of time, that Philip Rivers is so efficient right now. Mm. You may want to even focus and double down more on the receivers that they have. There's like three or four that you can use as a viable fantasy option in Los Angeles. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it is really difficult gauging the receivers there. You know they like to throw to Mike Williams around the end zone. Tyrell Williams, but unfortunately, he can kind of disappear sometimes. Keenan Allen is the steady guy there. And then Travis Benjamin is there. You know, he's kind of a big play guy. He's not going to get a lot of targets. It is going to be difficult. Antonio Gates was looking like a much younger version of himself last week. If they do end up passing more, it's going to be a little difficult nailing down who is going to be the recipient of that, but that's really part of why Philip Rivers is so good, because he has a lot of weapons to use, and it's going to be very game plan specific. The only one that you can count on is going to be Keenan Allen. You're going to count on Austin Eckler, whether Melvin Gordon plays or not, and then you know, Mike Williams is kind of one of those dart throws that he might not get a lot of targets, but today he had two touchdowns. You gotta love that. But yeah, don't count on Melvin Gordon playing. Austin Eckler should be owned in every league, but if he's not, you definitely want to pick him up on waivers this week.
0: All right, my friend, it's getting down to the nitty gritty. We're wrapping Mm -hmm. up the latter part of the regular season here. And a lot of teams are doing one thing or the other. They're preparing their team for the playoffs, mm-hmm. or they're trying to figure out what went wrong and how not to make the same mistakes twice when it comes to next season. Let's say you're on the outside looking in, and it looks like mm-hmm. no shot, like in our fantasy football pater podcast league. Mm -hmm. unfortunately that's me i'm on the outside Mm -hmm. i'm knocking on the door i'm like i would like to come in unfortunately (laughs) i cannot so i have to dominate my other league instead all right okay okay Okay. yeah sure (laughs) the glass is half empty and half full there is a lot of fantasy football owners are going through when they see their team is doing so poorly a lot of given up a lot of are just demotivated and, and, and just really just having a poor time of it What do you say to those people out there that still want to go ahead and say, hey, look, I'm going to try and give it maybe one more shot next year to see Mm -hmm. if I can build a better team What are the steps that you go through at the end of a season to maybe give yourself some motivation so that no one system, and this is what I'm going to tell everybody out there, that no one system works every single year
3: the way you use it. Absolutely. It just doesn't work that way. And that's why when you're getting ready for the draft, if somebody comes out and says, well, the winning formula is to draft running back, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end do that every time. It just doesn't work like that. It just depends on how your draft goes. I have a couple teams where I took the zero QB strategy this year and it's paid off.
0: For me, the key is adaptation. Yes. You have to go ahead and adapt to what is going on during the course of that season. Is there a lot of injuries? Is it more towards a passing game? Is it more towards a running game? Mm-hmm. What you need to do is be aware of your waiver wire, be aware of your lineups, be aware of changes going on in the NFL and being able to adapt to what's going on in the league. That to me, I think is the biggest key when it comes to any type of format or system that you utilize because you can't just go ahead and draft and be done with it. That's Mm -hmm. not going to work. And it's never seems and never seems to work over the course of a 16 game NFL (laughs) season. And anybody who does is probably the luckiest person on earth because there's so too many variables, benchings injuries, other changes that are going on suspensions, uh, anything that can come out of the woodwork at any point in time adaptation to me is the key to going ahead and having a successful fantasy football season and getting the most information, not only from places like us, but from other resources Mm -hmm. as well.
3: Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. And that is where experience will really help you to be able to adapt. Remember that first year that you play, you know, you're probably not going to find success unless you're Gerald Glassford. You're probably not going to find a lot of success, but as you learn and 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 as you begin to see what works and what doesn't work, that experience will help you be more adaptable. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because you have to be adaptable in your fantasy football draft. You have to be adaptable throughout the season because things change. I mean, things change. Carlos Hyde is, is worth not a whole lot now. I I mean, except for when Leonard Fournette gets himself kicked out of a game, you know, but there are some guys that required really high draft capital at at the beginning of the season, and they're just not worth much now. And then you also have guys that weren't even drafted, like a a Philip Lindsay or 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 a Nick Chubb. Or a Gus Edwards that through circumstance and different situations and injuries suddenly become relevant in the middle of the season. So you have to be adaptable and you have to have good sources of information because you need to know before you set your waivers on Tuesday, who's valuable, who's not, how teams are changing, how injuries are affecting, how teams can implement their offenses. And yeah, it's, it's all about adaptability
0: my friend it was another great weekend in the nfl looking forward to another week coming up again as we prepare for the playoff stretch it's looking like another great fantasy football season is coming to a exciting climax and i'll tell you what it's just great having you give your knowledge out there to everyone on what's going on well with shopping and and, of course, <laughs> everything going on with the fantasy football season right here at the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, my friend.
3: Well, well, the waiver wire is pretty much shopping. <laughs> you know. So if you have Elvin Gordon, you're probably going to do some shopping this week on the waiver wire. If you had Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack is banged up. Is he going to be able to start next week? I don't know. That's worth keeping an eye on. But you might be shopping for uh, Jordan Wilkinson this week. So there's... You know, shopping in fantasy football, and the trade period is probably already done. So you're not going to do a whole lot of bargaining and wheeling and dealing, but you still have to be adaptable, even in the uh, latter parts of the season, getting ready for the playoffs.
0: And of course, listening to us here at the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and of course, checking into the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group, and answering all your questions is what it's all about, my friend. It's just so great, as always, to have you part of the show checking out everything that's going on in week 12 in the nfl looking forward to talking more this weekend on the friday edition of the pcc multiverse with you as always looking forward to it just so great to have you a part of the fantasy football Pater podcast and of course right here at the pop culture cosmos If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only 5 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, it's Gerald coming right back at you here. Want to thank so much Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and Ben Arno from the Smoking Hot Confessions Podcast. I want to thank them both so much and check out their programs today each and every time they come back on the air with Ben Arno debuting his season three in early December and Tyler Baker on every week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel as part of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. My friend, before we head on out, gotta talk the lion king the live action trailer hit and my gosh it has garnered a big influx of viewers one of the highest view counts within a very short period of time in regards to what people are wanting to see your thoughts on why the lion king trailer has become so popular and why the lion king itself a live action version of it which we talked about Other live action versions at the beginning of the show for Disney,
2: why this one may be the most popular of them all. Feel free to disagree with me, but The Lion King, you know, you ask people what was their pivotal uh, or most important Disney experience growing up as far as going to see a, a movie in the theater. A lot of them will say it was Lion King, Aladdin or Mulan, usually. So for me, when I was a kid, I remember going to see Lion King at El Capitan in Hollywood. And that was a tremendous experience and I loved it. And because of that, that movie sticks out kind of in my head more than any other Disney movie. And I think that I'm not the only one. And it's kind of how we talked about Nightmare Before Christmas, like Disney Has noticed the love that this film has, and they've kind of not franchised well, they have kind of franchised in a way, but they have parades based on it, and they have you know, there you can find Lion King stuff in the gift shops, and they have shows and stuff like that. Yeah, there was an animated series for a bit, and they had a couple uh, straight to VHS sequels. It's a big thing, and people love it, and, and I think it's one of the vital Disney experiences for anyone growing up, even kids now, like I know their parents will go out and show them Lion King, pick up the Blu-ray. Like it's important. Like if you're a Disney fan, Lion King is definitely something you have to watch. And I don't know what makes it so special. Maybe it's the themes of fatherhood and friendship and things like that. But it's definitely one of those movies that you can't really call yourself a true Disney fan or really experience cinema in general in the area that is Disney, unless you have seen the Lion King. And also, I, I think a big thing they got going for them too, is like the, you know, much like Black Panther, we got an all African-American cast work in form with the exception of Seth Rogen. I can't remember the other one, but they're playing to the things that make the Lion King good and the opportunities they have found in the Lion King. And I think that's genius marketing on Disney's part. But it's also it goes to show that like John Favreau can do something outside of the Marvel flicks that will really draw people in. And that's exciting.
0: Yes, it's very exciting. I know a lot of people are gearing up for it and I think it's gonna do big box office numbers when it comes out next year. I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. And if the huge response for the initial trailer of the live action version of The Lion King is any indication is that indeed the Lion King live action film coming next year from Disney is going to be one of the biggest hits of the year for 2019. What are your thoughts out there on the initial trailer for The Lion King? Are you excited for it now? Is this something that you're going to mark as one of these special films that you're going to see coming in 2019? Or is it something that you're going to wait for home video or any other outlet or not even catch at all because you're not really enthused by the direction of Disney rebooting all these old ideas into a live action format? Share your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Josh, it's been another great episode. We've got a lot of stuff in the works for our Friday episode, the PCC Multiverse. Just want to thank you again for, for stopping by as always. Any last thoughts, my friend?
2: Stay up to date on our Facebook and Instagram pages for the uh, Las Vegas thing. It's going to be a good time. There's going to be prizes. Miracle Fruit Oils, Vitabrace will be there. And we'll have some, uh, you know, of course, we'll have our musical guests. So definitely stay tuned. And we'd love, honestly, if you could just donate to some of these charities because there are a lot of people out there who are less fortunate than you and I and Gerald around the holidays. And they would be super grateful for anything we could get to them.
0: Exactly. And any contributions that you can make towards this event, again, go to for monetary donations, go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. For canned food, it goes to Three Square of Las Vegas. And for any new toy that, that goes to donation to Retro City Games over the course of time up into and including the 15th of December, that all goes to the UMC Children's Hospital of Nevada, which are which all three are great causes to donate to and just cannot thank you enough for doing so. Cyber Monday is now upon us my friend just the, just an awesome time. Any more shopping you got to do? Get that last little bit of shopping in before uh, the holiday season
2: really kicks in. I got to do a lot of shopping. I haven't bought anything for my family yet. I did buy something for myself on Black Friday, but I got a lot of shopping I got to do but probably won't happen till after our little charity gig here. So yeah got a lot of shopping i from what I understand though a lot of people are telling me Cyber Monday's become kind of a joke these days, so i'm I'm curious to see what's going on sale this coming week. Cyber Monday always gives
0: me an idea. It's like the leftovers like when you have Thanksgiving dinner and then the day or two after you're just hitting the fridge for the leftovers just seems like to me that that's all it's about. The sales and reductions aren't usually as good or for people out there who couldn't shop at Black Friday. Cyber Monday is there for you. Or if you forgot something on Black Friday over the course of the weekend, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. forgot this product or forgot to get this gift for somebody. At least it'll be on a discount for you. So Cyber Monday does serve a purpose. It does generate a lot of income. And over the course of time, if they make continue to make it something special, you never know, man. People just love going ahead and buying from the smartphone and buying from their computer and, and you know. Keep Cyber Monday alive. Keep Cyber Monday alive. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.
3: Greetings, Starfighters! It's Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast. Join me and the Rusty crew as we break down the latest geeky movie trailers, talk about TV, comics, toys, games, casting news, and all things nerdy. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the ESO Network, and at therustedrobot.podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast.
2: Your source for geek since 2014. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it.